Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Matt, and if this is your first time with us, I want to welcome you. This is a great Sunday to be here. We're talking about finding meaning and fulfillment in life, not just filling it up with things to do, but filling it up with God, and that's where true meaning is found according to the scriptures, and I want you to experience that today. Maybe you've heard the phrase functional fixedness before. Functional fixedness has to do with not being able to see past an object's traditional reason for being built. For example, maybe you have some papers on your desk that are being blown around by a fan or the wind, and you have a hammer sitting there next to it. You don't recognize that that hammer can be used as a paperweight. You just consider the hammer something that you use to drive nails with and pull nails out with. Now, I know you go, well, that sounds silly. Of course you'd use the hammer. Not everybody thinks that way. As a matter of fact, with a lot of items, we get stuck in the box. We, we can't get out of the box of some thinking, and it turns into functional fixedness. And it seems like it starts, according to psychology, about the age of seven. About the age of seven, we just lock things into what they're determined to do, and we can't undefine what things are supposed to do, so we just keep them as they are. That makes any sense. But under the age of five, you're like MacGyver. You can do whatever. You know, you're just taking duct tape and bailing wire, and you're making anything you want with, and anything you can make and put together. Your, 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 your toys are used for anything, and uh, tools are used for anything. And uh, you get to adulthood, and you're stuck. And I think in some ways that defines our life. You have been going steady as she goes in this world. You've been running a schedule and a routine for so long that you're, you don't see outside the box. You don't see that there could be anything more in store, that maybe God has something better planned for your life, and you're just not aware of it yet. You haven't thought about it. You haven't even considered it. Let me just kind of show you some fun examples of some people that decided, I'm not going to be stuck in the box, and I'm going to leave functional fixedness. Like this guy who says, I don't have a mixer, so I'll find my drill and some, some scissors. Now that's smart, right? Because like we need chocolate frosting ASAP. Or this is a good one right here. Uh, no leaf blower but I've got a fan, and my driveway has leaves on it. This one right here is a pretty creative idea. And it makes your car smell like cookies, too. Like, that is winning all the way. I, I, I don't have time to be home to watch the oven, but I'm going to be at Walmart for a couple hours. Might as well make some cookies and, you know, walk out mad, but come to a car that makes me happy. This is pretty good. Guy at, at the office. I'd kill this guy, by the way. I love my coffee way too much to have it tasting like hot dogs. But hey, we're going to do a hot dog lunch, at, uh, but we have no way to warm it up. Use the coffee maker, Bob. I'm going, no, don't. Then there's this, this probably an invented dad. You know what that is. Kids, you broke the rim for the seventh time. We're using the toilet seat from here on out. I want to know what they did for the toilet seat. Have you ever asked this question like, uh, what am I doing with my life? Like, uh, is this all there is? Like, is, is just this the path that... I'm on. Is this just the trajectory that I'm, is there anything more? If you've ever been a dark place at any time in your life and you've thought, is this it? Uh, you have wondered, like, is there meaning, significance to life? And it's, it's an age-old question. It, you're not new to this. You're not alone in that question, by the way. There's a guy by the name of Jeremiah in our Old Testament portion of our scriptures. He's often titled as the weeping prophet because he was just so distraught all the time. I think any psychologist today would say, you, you are depressed, man. You need to be on some anxiety medication. And here's what he said, why was I ever born? This is what he says to God. And maybe you've had a moment like this of prayer where you just, you're driving down the road or things have, have gone from bad to worse. You go, why was I born? And my entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. And you're going, boy, I, amen, Jeremiah. I know what that feels like. Like that guy, that, those could have been my words up on the screen there, not just some guy from the past of history. 
And I think there's a lot of us in this room, we're just stuck in this mode where we just think, this is always what I've done, so this is always what I'm going to get, and so life is, life is fleeting, life is fast, I better just make the most of it because I'm not getting much out of it. Now, would you just, as a pastor, can I say this to you with not candy-coating it whatsoever, maybe you're aiming at the wrong target in life. If you're not finding fulfillment, if you're not finding meaning, if you're not finding purpose, maybe you're, just, maybe you're just aiming at the wrong target. Would you just consider that this morning as I continue to talk to you? There's a great pastor by the name of Craig Rochelle. He had written a book called It. In that book, he has this illustration. I've shared it with you before. It's about a greyhound race and dogs chasing a rabbit so they could pursue that rabbit and make their way around the track. And, you know, of course, people are betting on this and hoping that their dog wins the race. But what had happened, as soon as the, the chime went off and the dogs took up out of the, the, the gate, that little rabbit that they chased, which is a mechanical rabbit, malfunctioned. And it kind of exploded and stuffing and springs went all over the track and the dogs didn't know what to do. And so there's a group of dogs that just decided to stop and sit down in the dirt of the track and just pant. They were just tired, just already done. For the, they just not running any more race. There was another dog that took off and and even though the rabbit was, was just blown to smithereens, that dog just kept on running but didn't make the turn and hit the fence and broke some ribs. And there was the rest of the dogs that just sat there in the dirt. And they just stared up at the crowd and they just howled and whimpered and whined. What an illustration of us when we don't have a target in life, when we don't have a pursuit, not one that's fulfilling. When we're chasing after everything but the right something. And think about this in life. And there's a, there's a group of people that, that when they have no meaning in life, what do they do? They just kind of rest it out. They sit it out. They, they're just done. And their life is just filled with trying to find ways to find rest in life. There's another group that's running after all sorts of pursuits that just aren't going to get them anything or much of anything. And they wind up wounded and hurt. Then there's a bunch of us. And when we don't have a pursuit in life, we just sit there and we howl at everyone and everything in life. There's got to be a target. There's got to be a pursuit that you have in life. And let me just give you some of the challenges here. To find some real meaning, I want you to think about some things. Number one is focus on something of your choosing and pursue it. Otherwise, someone will choose it for you. You may have never considered this, but McDonald's has a plan for your life. And if you don't have a plan for your life when it comes to your health and your nutritional intake... More than likely, you're going to get the McDonald's plan because they're pretty good at selling their plan. Walmart has a plan for your life. And if you're not smart in choosing where your money wants to go, you're probably going to get the Walmart plan because Walmart's pretty good at getting into my pocket when I don't have a plan for where my money should go. Do you know Hollywood has a plan for your family and for your mind? And, it, and if you don't have a plan for your family or for your mind, you're going to get the Hollywood plan. And friends, I'll tell you what, my, my morals and my, my way of living is a lot different than what I'm seeing in the theaters recently. And I don't want Hollywood's plan for my family. And I'm sure that many of you don't want either. But if I don't have a plan for my family, if I don't have a plan for my mind, I'm going to get Hollywood's plan. And a lot of us in this room, we just think that we'll, we'll get the plan that we're setting after, but we don't have a target. We don't really have a plan. We're like a bunch of ships without a rudder in the water being pushed wherever the wind wants to take us. And just because you're moving doesn't mean you have a plan. Just because you're headed somewhere doesn't mean it's the right somewhere. So focus on something of your choosing. What is that? 
that you want to pursue. Otherwise, someone's going to choose it for you. Here's the second challenge. Get focused on something, otherwise you'll be chasing everything. You met these folks? Constantly busy. Constantly busy. They almost wear this badge and honor. Like, I'm, oh, I'm so busy. I don't have any time. I don't have any time in my day to get that done. We all have the same 24 hours, and I know some people that are killing it and doing a lot. But I also know some people that are bored and busy. You bored and busy? Like, your schedule, it, it, look, you're just running the gauntlet of one thing to the next, involved in nearly everything. You're bored, even though you're busy. Can I tell you why you're bored? I would bet to say it's because you're shooting at the wrong target. All that busyness is not creating for you any productivity, not productivity that has eternal value to it. You're just chasing after the wrong thing. And I think it's time for us to start saying no to the, to the things we need to say no to that aren't allowing us to pursue a stronger faith, to get to the next level. You know, my wife and I have learned this, the art of saying no some years ago, because if we were to say yes to everything, we wouldn't have time for anything that we want to pursue together. Some of you just need to learn that beautiful two-letter word to the things that are interrupting what you want in life. And I'm, I'm sure for the most of you, it's, it's to pursue God, that two-letter word, no. Here's the third challenge. Consider that God's plans for your life just might be greater, might be better than the plans that you have for your own life. Just consider that for a second. You got some high ideals, you got some things you want to accomplish, but maybe God's got something bigger and better in store that you've never considered before. You know, God had told the prophet Jeremiah, I've got some plans for you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Some of you don't have a plan, I'd say, man, you need to adopt the plan that God has for your life. And, and we're going to try to skinny that down today. We're going to try to shave that down and figure out what is that plan that God has for my life. I think in its simplest form, it's to pursue God. In other words, you, you, you've just been pointing at the wrong target and you, you haven't found fulfillment. Even though you've been hitting some bullseyes and some successes in life, you, you haven't found fulfillment. You haven't found a real meaning or purpose. You just found a, a bunch of awards on the wall. You just found a bunch of accolades from your peers, but it hasn't done anything for the hole that's in your heart. Because I think we all have a God-shaped hole in our heart. And, and those of you that are trying to pursue something different than God, you're never going to fill it. You're just going to keep throwing stuff inside of it, but it's never, it's like the abyss. Until you get that, that God shape in that God-shaped hole in your heart, it will never make sense to you. You know, this series of sermons has come from uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Here's what it says. It's, it's pretty simple stuff. It just says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses which is kind of a reference to the saints in heaven cheering us on, cheering you on to live for God. Pretty impressive stuff. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. There's some things that hold us back from living for God. There's some things that hold us back from, from hitting the target of Jesus Christ. And let us run with perseverance. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some energy. Like you don't get, this is not a sprint we're talking about. This is a marathon. The race that's marked out for us and fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of our, of our faith. You know, there's a lot of people that are, are trying hard at life, but they're, 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 they're aiming at the wrong target. And maybe that's one of you in this room. There's a guy by the name of Matt Emmons. Matt Emmons is probably best known for, for being an Olympic sports shooter. Uh, he was in the Athens Games a number of years ago, and he is a very talented uh, shooter, but he, he's known for one 
tragic moment in his career. He had the first place, like, just taken up. He was, he was a shoo-in for first place to win the gold medal in Athens. And all he had to do in his next shot, one shot, was to hit his target. That's it. Not the bullseye, not the ring. He just had to hit the target. That's it. And so he ready, he aimed, and he fired, and he hit the bullseye. But you can see his look of shock here when he realized it wasn't his target. It was the target of the competitor next to him. And instead of the gold medal, he wound up in eighth place. I think there's folks in this room, maybe you're one of them, where you're aiming at the wrong target. You're hitting the bullseye, but you're just, hanging, you're, just, you're just aiming at the wrong target completely. And you're wondering why you're not winning in life. You're not fulfilled in life. You're not finding purpose in life. Friends, God has a different target for your life. And I just want you to consider this for a moment. I think too many of us in this room, we're just aiming at the wrong thing. You see, the psalmist said of God these words, your eyes saw my unformed body. Like he knew you before your parents knew you. Isn't that awesome? God knew you before your parents even knew about you. Your eyes, he saw you in your unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in the book before one of them came to be. God had written some chapters for your life. Now, here's what I found about my life. I, too, have written some chapters for my own life. And I think those were chapters that God never intended to be in my book. Chapters of sin, of selfishness, of want, of greed. And God said, that's not what I had planned for your, your life. Man, I didn't have planned for your life trying to squeeze all the enjoyment out of life you could only to find you unfulfilled. That's not what I had planned for your life. I had something different planned for you. Some of you in this room, you've read the, the book Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, very popular book. If you, you haven't read it, I'm sure it's on your bookshelf somewhere and You've always been wanting to read it. Inside of that, he basically says these words, without God, life has no purpose. Without purpose, life has no meaning. Without meaning, life has no significance or hope. Did you catch that? Without God, there's no purpose. Without purpose, there's no meaning. Without meaning, there's no significance or hope. So why are you living? Bertrand Russell, who is a famous atheist, he doubled down on that quote, and he said, unless you assume the existence of God, the question of life's meaning and purpose is irrelevant. What he is saying is, if you don't believe in God, then we all are, you are just complex pond scum. Like there's no reason for life. There's no reason to keep on breathing. There's no reason to keep on living unless you believe in God. That comes from the mouth of an atheist. There's only true meaning, true purpose when, when you assume that there is a creator, a designer, and there is somebody that has a plan for your life rather than you just trying to survive it. You ever feel like you're trying to survive life? You're not... You're not thriving at it like God has said, live life full throttle. You're just surviving. You're trying to get through the next day. Just, if I, can, I said the other day to my, my staff, if I can just get to Tuesday, the 24th, I'll be okay. I have a lot of deadlines due on Tuesday. Some of you feel like that about your life. If I could just get till tomorrow. Some of you feel like you just are trying to squeeze the most out of it, but you're not getting any pleasure from it. The Bible tells us where to find meaning. It is, it is just full of direction. In one place in particular is Ephesians chapter 1. It says it like this. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Anybody got identity issues? You know anybody has got identity issues trying to figure out who they are? And in Christ, you find your direction. You find your identity. You find out who you are. Boy, the world needs to hear that today. Some of you in this room, you need to hear that today. You're an identity crisis, and it's in Christ that you find your identity. 
You find out who you are, and it also finds out why, why you're living in Christ. Not in something else, in Christ is where you find that. And because he's on long before we first heard of Christ and got our hope, hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs for us for glorious living. Is that, what, how, is that how you'd explain your life? Would you define your life as glorious living? He designed for us glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. That everyone is a reference to those that have given their heart over to God through Jesus Christ. He's working something good in you. Are you willing to follow it? Are you willing to walk down that path that God has planned for you? And let me just state what in simplistic forms at the core is the purpose of your life. It's to recognize that God has rescued you from your sins. It's to understand that God has redeemed you from your sins, that Jesus paid the price for your sins. I should have been the one that died a death and be separated forever from God, but Jesus did that. That that God has rescued you, he's redeemed you, and the third one, he has restored you. That God has an intent for your life. He wants to restore you and bring you to a place where you can no longer be held back by who you were or who you are, but you can be new and transformed in Jesus Christ. And he has forgiven you. You don't have to be shackled to what yesterday was in your life. You don't have to be shackled to the old man or the old woman or the old ideas or the old things that that have been pinned to you and has created your identity. You've been forgiven now to live a life of Christ, to pursue God freely and fullfully. You've been rescued, redeemed, restored, and forgiven. You can, you can run the plan that God has for your life is what I'm getting at today, but you're going to need Jesus to get there. Hey, look at Ephesians 5 with me. I really want to get into some scripture here today. Ephesians 5, it's page 949 in the Bible in the chair rack in front of you. Just let's look together the, the church of Ephesus, which is this little letter that the apostle Paul had written, is to the church in the city of Ephesus. These people were hell-bent they're pursuing their own path, their own gain. They had their own target in mind. Then they come to Jesus Christ and they say, there's got to be more of the life than what I was pursuing. And Paul says, there is. Start pursuing God and things will start getting clear to you. Start pursuing God and things will start having some meaning. Here's where we start. Ephesians 5, let's look at verse 8 together. He says, for you were once darkness. Not you were in darkness, for you were once darkness. You know what he's referring to? That I and you and the... The Ephesians, we were ignorant one time. We were in a place of ignorance. Even though we were smart, even though we were educated, we were in a place of ignorance. Ignorance towards God's plan. Ignorance that God had something better awaiting for us. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Shed some light on the darkness. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. We're in verse 10 of Ephesians 5. And find out, listen to this phrase, you might want to underline it, and find out what pleases the Lord. You know, I have a responsibility, and you have a responsibility of a believer. Our responsibility is to find out what pleases the Lord. And it's going to, be, it's going to look a little differently. Our lives are going to look a little differently. But I think, first and foremost, what pleases the Lord the most is loving him with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, all that we are. Verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So if you have no vision, no purpose, you know what Paul says to do? It's time to wake up. It's kind of time to wake up and start living for the Lord. 
Verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Can't say I do that. Paul says, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That should be our quest. Find out what the Lord's will is. Verse 18, do not, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And he uses this as an illustration now. Another term that we have for alcohol or liquor is spirits, isn't it? We're being filled with spirits. And Paul's saying there are some things in life that will control you in life that you probably don't want controlling you. You lose your mind about it, and it has you pursuing the wrong thing. And Paul says this, instead be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with spirits. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't pursue meaningless things that are going to lead to the next day of saying, why did I do what I did? I can't even remember it. Why, why don't you just start being filled with the Spirit of God and having purpose and direction in your life? And if you were with us last week, I had ended the sermon last week with three questions. You're like, well, what were those? I know, I had to look back too. What were those? <laughs> Question number one was, what am I doing that I should not be doing? What am I doing right now that I should not be doing? Let's just, let's just start getting skinny. Let's just start shaving some things off of our life for a moment. Because if we want to pursue God, I know we're going to have to create margin in our life. And many of us have not done that. We say, I want God, but I've got, my life is too full. I've got too much stuff. So how do you, how do you create some room for God? There's, there's, there's many of us that are trying to keep our life so busy to keep us away from what we actually should be pursuing. And busyness and productivity are two different things. Let's stop glorifying busyness. Let's learn to say no to the right things. Learn to say no to the right things. You're saying, what would we say no to? Anything that's obstructing us from living for God. Let's just say no to those things. If that's obstructing us from living for God, let's just say no to those things. If it's, if it's not drawing you closer to God, say no to those things. If, if it's not putting you in a mindset that's living for God, say no to those things. You know how this works? A lot of times it works with conviction. You've been convicted before. Now, this is not guilt. Guilt is, guilt is an unhealthy motivation. Conviction says you have the power to change, to change for Jesus Christ. That's conviction. Those are two different things. Different sermon. Some of you are being convicted right now. There's some things in your life that you know you shouldn't be doing, that you should just stop doing. But let me just get back to Ephesians 5 for a minute. Let's just talk about some of this stuff that is the sin that's holding us back. Maybe right now you're a spouse and you're thinking, if I leave my marriage, that might be a good thing. I think, I'm thinking about leaving my marriage. Maybe today you say no to that. I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to tap into his love. And with that love that I'm learning from Jesus, I'm going to start applying to my spouse who is making it so difficult right now for me to love. Why don't you say no to contemplating divorce? Maybe right now you're saying no to, uh, to running from your sobriety and, and getting back into substance abuse. And since substance abuse for you, you're not, it's, not, it's not an alcohol, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, a legal drug, it's, it's just you're maybe over-medicating. And you're finding that the more that you over-medicate, the more it dulls down the day, which helps you get through the day and makes you not have to worry, makes you not have to stress, makes you not have to feel, and you just kind of say, enough of that. But you know what it also does? It, it just zones you out, and, and like that dog on the track that says, I got nothing to pursue, I'll just rest, you find yourself more of that than you do pursuing God. Maybe, maybe it's the financial gain that you're pursuing, and, and you're taking every angle. You're like thinking, what's the harm in taking some more hours and overtime? But you found that that's become the norm, and your family is hurt by that. Or you're saying, well, what's the big deal if I just play the lottery from time to time? But that's becoming more and more of a hope and a reliance that maybe if I get the numbers right, I'll make the big win, and my life will be fulfilled rather than finding fulfillment in God. Are you seeing this? 
I'm telling you that maybe the pursuit of financial gain is keeping you from your faith. I know some men and some women that say, I work Sundays, I work midweek, I just have no room for God. To me, in my opinion, and I know I'm in a different boat, I understand that. I would think that we would start to wise up and not become unwise, as the scripture says, and start living as, as wise and taking the opportunity to say, I'd rather go to heaven broke. And faith fulfilled and strengthened than to hell rich. Start putting it in those terms, Starts getting real, doesn't it? Like, what's your pursuit? What's your target? I'm going to say no to the darkness. I'm going to say yes to the light of Christ. Romans 12, 2 puts it like this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Functional fixedness. We think this is all we've got. We, we're kind of on this repetitive cycle. Like, I can't break away from it. But Paul says, you've got to break away. Let God transform you. Just let God do a good work in you. Pursue God and let you become a new person by changing the way you think. It's a mind thing. God changed my mind. Then you will learn God's will. You'll learn and know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Some of you just haven't rested in the Lord. You haven't allowed God to change your thinking, so you're getting what you've always got, even though you want something more. God says, I want something more for you too. Well, you got to get on God's plan. I know some of you are in this room today, right now, you're, you're making this commitment to say, I'm not going to let smartphones dumb down my relationship anymore then. You're going to say, I'm not going to let the internet interrupt my time with God anymore. Some of you are like, I'm going to stop uh, hanging out with some friends that are, are really wearing me down and, and are, are, are sucking the faith out of me. Bad company, remember, corrupts good character. Maybe you're just making some, some no moments right now. I'm asking that you follow through it. What did Ephesians 5 say? Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So what am I doing that I should not be doing? What is it? And then here's the second question. What am I not doing that I should be doing? What, what should I be saying yes to today? I've, I've said no to some things that were holding me. What should I say yes to today? May I say to you, just kind of like throw this out there for many of us in the room, it comes down to two things we, we know in our heart of hearts we should be saying yes to. Our family and loving on our family and to our faith. Faith and family. Those are probably the two big ones that exist in this room. And let me just start with our faith. There are, there are some of you here today You've just been kicking the tires with God for too long. You've been trying to test drive Jesus a little bit. Uh-uh. Today's the day that you just say, I'm going home with my hair wet. I'm going to be baptized in the Christ. Like, what is it that's holding you back from making that step of faith? For really committing your life to Christ. And you're saying, well, I'm just not there yet. That's where baptism starts. It's not the end of the game. It's the beginning of the journey. It's not the destination, it's the start. And some of you just need to equate that. That baptism isn't the stop of faith or the end or the fulfillment of faith. It's the beginning of faith. And some of you just need to begin there. You're never going to break away from your hurts, habits, or hangups until you have the Spirit of God within your life. And the Spirit of God starts when we give up ourselves and we welcome God's Spirit in our life in baptism. Faith and family. That's faith. James says it like this, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do but doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. So what good is it that you should be doing that you're not doing? Well, if you're not doing it, guess what? It's like a sin to you. So you just need to spend more time with family, loving on family, trying to, trying to learn your kids all over again, love on your spouse all over again. I don't know where that sits for you, but I know that's probably at the core of what you want. How about serving? We have hundreds of people that serve in this church. We have hundreds of people that serve in this church and then go and serve in our community. Man, I'll be real forceful. You haven't. You've been, you've been consuming rather than contributing. 
And you're wondering why you're not fulfilled. We're not fulfilled until we start giving ourselves away. That's a Christ model for us. And you want to be the greatest amongst you, you start being a servant. Jesus started giving up his life, and he started finding the greatest fulfillment in life. And some of you haven't been there because you've made all sorts of wild excuses like, I don't have time. I love what Solomon says. He says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Yeah, that's right. You'll never get perfect conditions. Some of you just need to join a small group. You need to get in fellowship with some people. Some people that have a concern for your soul who love you, not for the exterior, but for the inside. You just need to get real with some people. Drop the facade, drop the mask, and say, this is who I am. And recognize that God can take you from who I am to where he wants you to be. And get some people that say, God can get us to these places together. You know, Philippians says it like this, for God is working in you. And he's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I don't know if you've recognized it, but any Christian in this room has the power through Jesus Christ to get to the next level of faith. And I know you have a, a, a plethora of excuses as to why you can't. And God's spirit gives you all the reasons why you can. You have the power to do it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus said, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Give your attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. A lot of you are thinking, if I commit to God, if I, if I take the next level of my faith, it's going to ruin tomorrow. And Jesus says, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're guaranteed today, so let's start taking some steps of faith today. Here's the last question for you as we, we finish up. Why not, why not say no and say yes today? Like, What's stopping you from that? Last week I had mentioned that Satan's favorite word is tomorrow. And God's favorite word is today. Man, Satan would love for you to push this thing off, this commitment that you want to make to your, to your faith and to your family. So why not today? No more procrastination. I'd ask you to raise your hand for if you procrastinate, but you guys just wouldn't. You'd, you'd wait till after the service to raise your hand. <laughs> well, what's holding you back from small group? What's holding you back from, from finding some faith-filled friends? What's, what's holding you back from marking your communication card and saying, help me find a place to serve Christ in this community called Bethany? What's stopping you from opening up the scriptures or getting on you version of your Bible app and reading one verse a day and connecting with God today more than you did yesterday? What is stopping you from praying in your car as you drive home today besides your yelling kids in the car? What is stopping you? This is my only question. What, why are you not today doing what you're ratifying in your heart to do today? You're saying, well, I'll get that done tomorrow. And I know there's fear involved. I know it's hard sometimes. Some of you are like, my life is such a mess, there's just no way I can ever really make my way to, to a, a perfect, awesome, amazing God. And God says, no, you can through the means of Jesus. All of us in this room who have given our life to Christ have found that we can be messy and messed up, but God can turn it into a wonderful message. That we, we can be ruined people at the soil of our core. And God can take these ashes and turn them into beauty. That's the way God works. That's the miracle of our God in a spiritual sense. And some of you just aren't willing to make some steps today. Or you're seeing this like target of Christ as being so big that if you start pursuing God, that, like, that's a big endeavor. It is a big endeavor. But you know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Some of you are looking at this big thing, you're going, boy, I can't take that all on today. God's not asking you to take it all on today. But he is asking you to take a step in your faith today. 
not stay stagnant any longer, to move to another level. You know when we mess up here at church and as a church staff and we mess up quite a bit, I'll look at them, I'll say, you know what, guys, I got about 30 more years of ministry in us. Let's not let this thing knock us back. Let's move forward. Let's take some steps forward in this. And maybe eventually we'll get it right in the next 30 years. I say that to you because some of you in your faith, you're failing forward. I'll take that. God takes that. C.S. Lewis had said, as long as the will to walk for God is there, he is pleased with our stumbles. Keep failing forward. You won't live perfectly. But if you're living for God, if you're living for Christ, you're living as a part of his plan, and that's what he wants for your life. See, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, I'll tell you, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the, just, the, just the emphaticness, the urgency that is throughout the scriptures of now is salvation. Don't wait. Don't push this off. This moment to be rescued, restored, redeemed, and forgiven through Jesus Christ. What reason do you have today not to go home with your hair wet in, in, from the baptistry? What reason do you have today not to take a step of faith? See, God has said, I've given you freedom. You've been rescued. You've been restored. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven. Would you now just walk in the fullness of light? Would you just now move towards the target of Christ and give your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength to him? And you rely on God for the tomorrow. Would you just take some steps of faith today? My big question to you is, like, will you take some steps of faith today? Are you going to take some steps of faith today? Because you can't with the power of God at work in your life.